Hey guys, in this episode we bring along our good friend Bryce Wood to talk about his views on Black History Month and different types of issues within the community. We're really excited about this episode because we talk about things like affirmative action, we talk about heroes within the community, whether or not we have them, we talk about reparations, all sorts of different things. We're very, very excited about this episode. We were actually worried that we wouldn't be able to follow up with a, with a good episode after the one with Dr. Die, so we're very excited to bring this one to you guys. As always, if you have any feedback or questions, comments, anything like that, please let us know, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, objective, and often comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please throw your listening device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. back for another episode of the Salumas Podcast. This is Kalu. This is Chris. And we have a special guest today. You, and truthfully, there's always a special guest. I don't think we have, we've ever had one shitty guest. No, nah, I don't know. So. I think it'd be a nice, if y'all listen to some of y'all, probably raggedy. Oh my God. <laughs> you, and I don't even want to edit that. I just don't you want should, to. You shouldn't, because I just want them to wonder if. Yeah, they're like, was it me? <laughs> yeah, even, even if I don't believe it, I want you to wonder if you sucked. Oh, God. Anyway, so we do have a special guest here. Again, this is part of Black History Month. So uh, this is a, go ahead. You know what? Fuck it. Tell us about yourself. Tell us who you are. Uh, this would be Bryce Wood, uh, known in some circles as Juicy or Juice Man. Uh, Brycey, if we go way back, who called you Brycey? Clinton, if you're from Newark, New Jersey, his wife calls him Brycey. Representing, oh, oh there are others, Chris. Well, ah! <laughs> you threw the alley oop up. <laughs> She's gonna kill you. She's gonna kill your ass, man. Oh, <laughs> close friends, family, you know, those that I Juicy J, Jameson, yeah, those that I enjoy enough to. Add something cute to the end of my name without being chastised for such. Okay. So he's okay. a man of many names, but fundamentally, this is Bryce Wood that we have here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bryce was actually, uh, you were slated to be our third guest, uh, but the one that we have that we were supposed to have for today, he was sick. So I hope you're starting, I hope you're feeling better, Carlos. Uh, we'll have him on next week. But uh, I'm really excited about the stuff that we were hoping to talk about today. You and I, and, and actually Chris, we were all sort of messaging back and forth. We had a couple different topics and stuff like that. Before we get into those, just tell us about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, I, I guess I've got somewhat a unique situation in that uh, I've lived in the same house from the time I was born until I left to go to college, and then my parents still live at that same house so south central kentucky glasgow mm -hmm. born and raised uh went just up the road here to western to uh do college and then ended up back in glasgow so that's kind of afforded some cool cool situations as far as i have lifelong friends i mean people that i've literally known since i've been in diapers but then i've also had the opportunity to travel enough that this small area of the world is not the end-all, be-all, and my perspective isn't skewed like so many people that, you know, are hometown kids and have never ventured very far from their hometown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, my grandfather, 
um, was the uh, first uh, black police officer in Glasgow, Kentucky. Oh, wow. And uh, then my father was actually the second. So that's cool. I mean, our, our roots, our family's roots run really deep in uh, this area at Metcalf. Um, but then we also kind of spread out to Indianapolis, Indiana. So uh, I just consider myself kind of local boy, good old juice man. And also, and this is, it's just a factoid in general. He has his stepmother, his mom is a white woman, uh-huh. and then he has two white stepbrothers as okay. well. Okay. That he's essentially grown up his entire life with, too, which is really? an interesting dynamic in yeah. and of itself, right. I'd say. Right, and then another element to that dynamic is that uh, my mother is uh, from Newark, New Jersey. So I also have a large portion of my family that's inner city black you know so and, I, like, I, and i always wow. love when they come down i really enjoy your really? new jersey family because they're all a bunch of motherfucking characters really yes. shout out brick city new jersey uh, yeah. Newark. now i do want to ask what is it like you know i'm a, how old are you first of all i'm 35 okay so 35 so 35 years ago or even tw- 25 years ago in glasgow kentucky what was that like being black over there? Oh, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it, it's South Central Kentucky. It's kind of a weird dynamic where Kentucky's not deep South, but so much of its native sons and daughters want to be deep South. You know, like deep, deep South. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, heard that damn. so many times where people from the South are like, Kentucky's not the South. And then people in Kentucky are like, we're Southerners. Exactly, but it's like, I don't know, there are pockets or large areas of Kentucky that are really reaching for that. It's like they want the credentials that came around with the deep-seated hatred of the Old South, but we weren't. <laughs> we weren't that. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't that deep. So, man, I don't know. There's so many different kind of factors and influences that go with that. So, so my, my biological mother is... African-American from uh, inner city up north. She and my dad meet when uh, she's at university um, in uh, Virginia, and he's in the Air Force stationed in Virginia. So okay. he brings her back here to Kentucky. Uh, they have me, my, my brother, and my sister. And then uh, she... Shout out to Drill, Drill and Tamra. Right, Drills, Tam Tams. Um, but, uh, and then we lost her tragically at a very young age. I think I was three. So my Damn. sister would have been not yet, not yet two years old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my brother was, was four. Mm-hmm. So then my dad remarried a, uh, a white woman from South Central Kentucky when it was still relatively faux pas for there to be an interracial couple. I don't know where each bring in kids that are exclusively the race of yeah. the partner that brought them in. Like yeah. there was no biracial. It's like the racial Brady Bunch right. or some shit like that. Right. <laughs> it was somewhat like that. So um, that dynamic was always interesting because you had to have kind of a foot in both worlds. But even within my my stepmother's family, there was a very different dynamic between each of her siblings as it related to their interactions with us. Some were very standoffish towards us and fairly vocal about interracial dating is wrong. This is not cool. We shouldn't, you know, but they were... How old were you when you were exposed to that? Oh my gosh, I've been exposed to that since I was probably four, five So you were four and you were hearing, you were hearing and understanding people saying, hey, this isn't right that your dad is with this woman. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was funny because it was kind of split between her siblings 
as far as who treated everyone kind of equally and who already was like, mm-hmm, kind of stank eye in the situation. And, you know, it was an awkward dynamic during the holidays, but you graduated towards the ones that treated you like all the other kids were treated versus, you know, retreating to the corner because the one or two others that were like, oh, I just ain't got nothing to say about it. Wow. So did I it mean, cause a lot of hurt for you when you were younger? Uh, it didn't, but it affected me and my siblings all very, very differently. My older brother being more aware and I guess cognizant of, of the of life, being a little bit more developed, um, it made him very militant and bitter and kind of standoffish and do his own thing. And my sister was so young that um, the way that she was socialized. She's just wide open. Right. Yeah. She's just okay. wide open. She's extremely fragile. She's, you know, extremely sensitive. And 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 probably the most sincere and naive and not in like a negative way. She just genuinely believes what the you good tell and her everything. And good. Yeah, yeah, she sees the good in everything. Yeah. Right. And I was able to. But you to... don't want her on your volleyball team in PE class. <laughs> really? She'll whoop that ass? No. She was apathetic as hell, and I used to yell at her. Because the ball, Tamara would just be standing over there, and she'd wear like, uh, like nightgowns to school. Because Tamara just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. And, and she's standing over there, and the volleyball would come to her, and it would just hit. And I'm like, Tamara, what the fuck are you doing? And then she'd holler some shit back to me. And the next time the ball came, she just hit it as hard as she could. <laughs> like it went off into the bleachers. And, not, and she just walked off. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's Tamara. That's, that's Tamara. That's how Tamara rolls, you know what I'm saying? So with me, I don't know. Uh, I was very, as a child, just sponge-like in watching. Inconsistency. And <laughs> watching social interaction. And just being the fly on the wall and picking up how people treated each other and how people responded to one another and everything like that. So with me, I had to take it from a lot of directions as far as, oh, you act white, you know what I'm saying? You talk so well and, you know, you want to do, go hang out at the lake and blah, 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 blah. Kalu's like, I want to hang out at the lake. It's like, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, bud. So I got both the, you know, (laughs) you're not black enough. Um, but the thing is, Bryce would fight people. Yeah. Oh, would you yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bryce, that's the difference. Is like if somebody gave him some shit. This story about like, wait, you're not black enough. Bryce would be like, well, come say it to my face, motherfucker. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> right. But uh, that, I don't know. I never found it difficult to go between both worlds and not hold any sort of bitterness. Towards either world. Really? It just didn't make sense to me to carry that burden of negativity with me. So mm-hmm. it made me more or less resolve to not be like the ones that were hating and to show love to everybody. Did it give you like some kind of an allowance or flexibility to, to be more critical of, of black people and of white people because you dealt with both worlds? Absolutely. And it was one of those things, you know, it's usually about middle school when people kind of start to figure their identity, figure their identity out, start clicking up. What group am I going to hang out with? So I in middle school decided, you know what? I don't really give a fuck what none of y'all think. Like, I like these kids that live in the poorest part of Glasgow and spend their summer playing in the creek catching crawdads. And I also like you guys who just happen to be doctors and lawyers kids so i also don't mind 
going to spend time with y'all's estate and being exposed to things that I wouldn't see playing in the creek on the weekends. Mm. But because I had allowances from the creek to the courthouse, you know what I'm saying, or alliances rather, I had that wonderful opportunity to enjoy the best of what everybody could bring to the table. Because the assumption is if you don't have anything, you can't bring anything to the table, and that's nonsense. I would say that a person can catch a catfish in a creek barehanded is a handy is a handy person to know you know what i'm saying if no a noodler if you yeah (laughs) if you in a pit and it's also important you know to know somebody who knows our our legal our legal landscape and can kind of tell you how to navigate that kind of situation too so i just tried to show love to everybody from early on because it just seemed to make the most sense to me and I dig people. I've always just yeah. dug people. So, And I will say, growing up in Glasgow, I think Glasgow as an overreaching theme was a little bit more insulated, especially compared to the surrounding areas and yeah. even the county school, mm-hmm. which had the majority of Barron County's total population went to the county school. Mm-hmm. Glasgow was almost like an attempt, a bid at racial harmony and things really? like that. It wasn't... Agreed. It, it, there was much more blending as far as like, you know, the conventional idea of people clicking up and stuff. Mm. Even if you look at other classes, not just your class or my graduating class, there was a lot more fluidity between clicks, it seemed like, than you normally would see or is the, uh, the stereotypical like high school setting yeah. or right. middle school setting. Was it, was it more about uh, race and or was it more about... Like SES and less about race or what? It it, it well sports was 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 a unifying factor. Okay. It was because uh, again all all the black kids with the exception of like two or three families went to Glasgow, the Glasgow school system, um, and then all the uppity white kids went to the Glasgow school. Well, not all of them. There was some uppity white kids that went to Barron County as well. Yeah. But, but Glasgow was, we were known as the snotty Scotties. It was supposed to be the uppity school. Yeah. And then you also had the low SES white kids that went to Glasgow high school as well. Mm-hmm. That weren't County that lived down on around bunch and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it honestly, it, and it's such a small school and the way things were blended, obviously that there, there was conflict, but in general, I, I just I kind of felt like, and it may be because of my ability to kind of dip in and out of different social groups that I don't realize the divides as much. Mm. But it just seemed to me again that Glasgow was a at least a bid socially what what is acceptable at making like racial harmony and yeah. equality and. A, a priority. Well, with it being Black History Month, Glasgow, Kentucky, as a city, was the uh, voted for uh, Luska J. Twyman, who was the first Black mayor in Kentucky. Wow. He may have been one of the first Black mayors in all of the South. So and that's a dope ass name, by the way. Luska yeah. J. Baby. So did, did your family know him? Or, I don't know how long ago this was. Uh, this was. Uh, well, we, we, we've got some connections to the Twyman family, but that was before my time. So, okay, okay. Um, there, there's nothing with me personally there that, yeah. that I can make a connection to Luska J. Twyman. Sure. Aside from Glasgow as a city, has at least at point in, points in time been relatively progressive for its location in the surrounding area. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, there was a, are you familiar? Uh, I know you are with uh, the, the Tompkinsville area. Yes. So um, I was up there. Um, yeah. Tompkinsville is uh, along the parkway past Glasgow, correct? Correct. Yeah. All right. Correct. So <clears throat> there's a, there was a barbecue restaurant that I went to over there with one of my customers. And when, I, when you see the town, you think it's just very rural, white, super country, super conservative, all that kind of stuff. I haven't been this pleasantly surprised to walk in and see this black-owned business that has been there for years. Oh, you know the two. Shout the, out to Tuli's R&S Barbecue. That's R&S Barbecue. That's what it was. And Tuli's has been doing it. And I had no clue. When I walked in there. We're related to the Tuli's. Really? When I walked in there. It was nothing but just old white guys just sitting, and they were so nice to the staff. They come because in they because they produce oh, legendary yeah. shit. Yeah, I was like, Holy and they've been crap. doing it for a long time. Yeah, and it's just one of those things, man. If you're an African American that can deliver the goods consistently, they over forget time, about race. <laughs> yeah, they will forget. I mean, there were MLK pictures all over the place. I mean, there were all kinds of stuff. Well, these they forget about care. race as long as times is good and as, as long as barbecue is good. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> and when when things come crashing down, they're like, "Get your nappy head off the lawn." Yeah, but there there's something to say about the culture, you know, especially the barbecue culture and, oh, absolutely. and what African Americans bring to it, because I think that it, it does have some unifying qualities. That it does make people forget and it makes people say, okay, yes, barbecue is a thing that's bringing us together, but they probably learned to understand these people. They probably learned to work together and all that kind of stuff. And I totally was was able to see in the time that I was there, I was like, holy shit. I haven't seen this. I don't even see that in Bowling Green. And I'm I'm not even kidding. There is there is yes, people will buy from from a black business, but this felt like love when I was there. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's something uh, that you do not see. It's a pillar of the fucking community. Yeah, it really is. It's something that it it kind of is a notable factoid about that entire area of Kentucky. If you were gonna say something like the secret sauce. Yeah. The way that sauce is made, which I know how to motherfucker. Yeah, both of the big main sauces. Huh. But I'll never tell, bitch. Yeah, you will. I will not. You're going to next episode. Uh-oh, my brother would cut my face. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, when we were talking before uh, we started off, we 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 had a couple of ideas, right? I want to just get right into it. Uh, we talked a little bit about affirmative, but we were going to talk about affirmative action, reparations, and the use of social media and, and ignorance as a means of control. Pick pick which one you want to go over. Yeah. And shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with affirmative action. All okay? right. Now, my thoughts on affirmative action. Affirmative action, for those of you who are not aware, is the uh, the legislative attempt to overcome biases towards minority groups that requires businesses to have a certain percentage of their labor force, and their personnel um, from certain groups. Now, um, I'm a human resources professional. So if you're looking at affirmative action through a human resources lens, what you would think of, think about your community like a pizza, okay? So on this pizza, so let's say the 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 white people represent pepperonis. So you got pepperonis <laughs> on your pizza, right? 
<laughs> you, you've got of course African they get the pepperonis. God. <laughs> well, you've got Afri- God. Give them the pepperoni. Give them the pepperoni. The favorite <laughs> topping. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh. hey, I can't wait. People be onions. <laughs> They can. They make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so getting back on track here, let's say that uh, African or Black Americans are the sausage on this pizza. All right. So then you've got all these different ingredients that represent the community, right? And you've okay. thrown them onto this pizza. Okay. So in an equal world, right? If you don't subscribe to some preconceived notion that there are actual differences between races and between sexes. Unless you kind of are leaning towards that idea that there actually are superior and inferiors within any social group, then you would agree or you would think that the trend in a business within said community would look like a slice of the entire pie. So if there's an even distribution of pepperonis and sausage and onions and bacon and all this on my pizza, if I pick up a slice, there should be some of all of that in mm. that slice. Like represented so if, based upon the percentage that is manifested. Exactly. Mm. So if I go to your business and it's a pepperoni, sausage, bacon, mushroom community, and I pick up a slice and it's just all pepperoni and onions that doesn't really reflect the community whereby those persons that make up that workforce were pulled from. Now, now so, should it? Yes. Okay. Yes, it should. If everyone has the same opportunity and also, you know, I would say the same uh, viability to bring tools to the table, then yes, that pizza should more be representative of that enti- entire community and not just a subset of that community that happens to more often than not be the white and ruling class. Okay. Uh, now in, in this, in this discussion, you've, you've even heard on, on multiple podcast episodes. I do play the role of devil's advocate just so we can, just so we can unpack this. Right. Right. Why is it that people bring up the argument that why not just worry about having the most qualified people in there. What if the most qualified people... Because fundamentally, the effects of 600 years or more of slavery didn't just go away with abolition and then then removal of Jim Crow Mm -hmm. and any number of civil rights-related milestones, we still have light years to go. And and now there's this over-encompassing illusion that's perpetuated by the ruling class and it's weaponized to the working whites who do work hard. Mm-hmm. They they deserve their money. They work their asses off. But these these other groups are subjugated at such a higher level. Sure. The prison industrial complex is intrinsically linked to it. So if you look at our what amounts to a predatory social system, it is a modern day manifestation of social control and a capitalist system milking a certain demographic and keeping them under fucking control. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what the fuck it is. And there's no vested interest in our our current social system. There's no vested interest in in allowing the proliferation of other groups. If anything, there is a vested interest, even if it's not fucking personal. We oftentimes think about racism in terms of hate. 
doesn't necessarily even have to be attached yeah, to an emotion whatsoever. Yeah. But it's very plausible that some of these individuals just understand fundamentally it's not in my best interest if I allow this group to proliferate. Mm. It, it's in our best interest if we keep them subjugated and and also pit them against low SES whites as well. Right. And that's gone on since before abolition. Mm. It, at least the, the the low SES whites, the same people, and we even talked mm-hmm. about this, mm-hmm. that are like... Croppers. Yeah, 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 the ones that, that are like, well, my ancestors didn't own slaves. Yep. Like, what? And that's that. they're right on that tip. And, and part of that is they were made to feel validated as human beings because at least they weren't black. At least they weren't. And exactly. that has yeah. carried on as well. Mm-hmm. That's why, in my opinion, and I know... We, you know, it's more directed towards juicy, but in my opinion, that's why we, we, as a society, as civil creatures, have a responsibility to make an attempt to undo the damage that has been done over these generations okay. after generations. So, juicy, being that you're in HR, what have you been doing to as part of your attempt, and has it backfired on you? Oh well, being an African American in HR. <laughs> In general, is the first attempt because it's not a field that's you know super super open to or maybe the easiest avenue for a Black American to get into. What why is be successful at? Um, Because in my opinion, I don't know anyone who likes doing HR. I think you're doing the Lord's work if you're doing HR. Because that's the thing is, I would imagine that you're very you're. People are very critical of you if you're in HR. Everybody yeah. fucking Everyone hates you. Everyone hates you. Well, yeah. and, and I imagine <laughs> it's the same fucking way when you're black. There's yeah. not the same threshold. Everybody right. has you under the fucking microscope, so you mm-hmm. get to double dose when you're HR and you're black. Right, right. And it'd be a triple dose. If you was female, it probably it, it adds another element to that mm-hmm. shit as right. well. Right, but um, with anything, um, whatever, whatever your sphere of influence is, you should try your best to influence that sphere to the good. You okay. should try and do as much positive as you can. So me being in HR, I get to bring my perspective as a black American who was raised in South Central Kentucky and present that, you know, to the people that I'm getting to service. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm explaining their benefits to them and I'm explaining, you know, um, corporate policies to them, or if they're coming and having an issue with a coworker, I just get to explain a different perspective to them mm. to maybe bridge a gap that may not be bridged if somebody who didn't have my experience in life was in that position. It gives me a platform to connect, communi- to connect with a greater yeah. audience. It does. Yeah. And I've always connected with people, so HR appealed to me because I feel like I'm a people person. Do you think that HR in most organizations should be more reflective upon the type of staff that are in there? I think so, because it's hard to... HR is supposed to basically keep things consistent and fair, but fairness is a perceived concept. Yeah, I don't think fairness exists. Yeah, it's completely in the eye of the beholder. You know, what's fair to some is not going to be fair to others, or, or whatever. So with that knowledge, I don't mean to cut you off, but with that knowledge, being in HR, if you already know that... Fairness is not something that exists, and it's completely subjective. How do you? How is it that you're able to make a pursuit for that which doesn't exist? Well, you can make you can make the pursuit towards consistency. Okay. And if you can at least consistently treat 
everyone the same, then they perceive fairness. Whether or not the policy itself is kind of slanted towards benefiting some versus mm-hmm. benefiting others, if you're at least being consistent with how you enforce it, then that element of fairness is 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 perceived by them, and perception is reality. Yeah. It doesn't matter what actual reality yeah, is. What I, I perceive is yeah, 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 exactly is what it is. So I think that just that consistently trying to um, keep the bar the same for everyone um, is is that HR function that is served that I feel like experience gained in life outside HR can enhance a lot. Do you think that the, and I know we're, we're spending a good amount of time on affirmative action, but do you feel that much of it has changed since it was passed? I think it was the early 60s. I know I know Kennedy, it was an, like an executive order from him, but do you think much of it has really changed since then? Uh, I, don't, I don't know that the animal has changed, uh, but what, I, what I've gotten from people as far as the perception of it is that uh, uh, whites that are low SES or whites that are trying to break into the middle class are very anti-affirmative action because they feel it as a slight towards them. They, I, I've and, heard and, it called reverse like, racism yeah, before. Yeah, reverse yeah. racism. And it's and it's we've talked about like the Redneck Manifesto yeah. and how it is legit the only social group on the planet that it's okay to just actively it's okay shit to be, on. Yeah, it's okay to shit on poor shit white on people. Poor white people. So it, what what allowance we have to make if we're going to communicate with this large group of angry fucking people is that yeah you. It isn't exactly fair for you, but how do we mitigate that? Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And the conversation often comes back to, well, how is it fair for you to get something that I don't have just because of the color of your skin? It's like they're not putting people that are completely inept into these positions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're putting qualified persons into the position, and maybe you did have the edge on them, but it's at least an attempt to try and give people an opportunity to overcome um, pretty much societally-wide biases that have been ascribed to African-Americans or to women or to and other then just persons. Get reinforced. But, and then just get reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. I'm, I make the analogy a lot of times when someone asks me about this affirmative action thing. Okay, the United States of America, okay, People come over here, and it's wide open. I mean, you've got the Native Americans, and we'll take care of them later and all that kind of thing, but it's wide open as far as resources and opportunity. So once you get to this new land, it's a race to see who can get their hands on the resources, who can have control of the gold, who can have control of the property, who can have control of all these vast resources. So if you're a white European, then there are no shackles on you. When the when the you know starting gun goes off, you're wide open and you're taking as much as you can take. Mm-hmm. And your slaves, at the meantime, are at the same starting line in America, except they're shackled to the starting line. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let you run and pillage and collect and stack and stack and stack for hundreds of years. 
and then and say accrue knowledge and accrue knowledge yes and put in your own sources of control of your said property and maintaining your property and that sort of thing and then you tell black people just a few short years ago hey all right you guys are free now go run the race we're not giving you anything that's been acquired over the course of these last several hundred years but you're good now. Everybody, it literally, it literally was not that motherfucking long ago. It was not that long ago. But I want to ask you this. One of the key things that you said is that when you were sort of framing the situation as an HR person, you said you may have the edge over that person, but because of this, we're going with this other person. Right. Being Trying to exercise a little empathy... Can't you see why people would get pissed about that? Because a lot of people would go in thinking, hey, I'm going here because I'm qualified. I want to try and get the job or anything like that. But when someone tells me, yes, you were more qualified than this person, but I still can't hire you because of this other thing. At what point, and again, this is me playing devil's advocate. At what point does the business's goal to make money and be productive, when does that take precedence. And, and I will say my my idea with it and I think this comes down to where we diverge ideologically mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. is what it has to be seen if if the individual that is taking the L in yes. this regard. Yeah, cuz someone has to take an L no matter okay, what. Okay. So the white dude is taking the L that might have been marginally more qualified sure. than the black dude. He's taking this L. Um the onus at that point, is on him to not blame another human being. It's not the other dude's fault. Yeah, it's it's not their fault. It's That's not their exactly. fucking yes. fault. And then you also have to have an understanding that what that is, that entity that's created, is not a direct slight against you. It's an investment in an entire community of individuals yeah. in, in helping them rebuild sure. what... No shit is the echoes of just so much yeah. trauma over generations and generations. Yes. And but as I'll- such, it is imperative that you who feel slighted don't ascribe the blame to that minority mm-hmm. and to his culture and his race mm-hmm. because he didn't ask. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's every bit his right to take advantage of an opportunity that was created for him to try and correct wrongs that were done for generations and generations. So we were talking about fairness. I don't perceive that affirmative action is necessarily fair. Yeah. But is it consistent? Is it a consistent attempt to try and right a wrong? Yeah. Yeah, it is. So yeah. there's absolutely merit well, to it in and, my And opinion. fair, again, is a subjective term because if you look at it on the micro where you have an actual dude that takes an L and mm-hmm. another dude that gets that position, on the micro, you could say it's unfair. On the macro scale, if you look at it quantifiably, if you look at it statistically, it it does seem fair. And I know that that's a much more... Some people don't it's, like to it's look It's hard at, because people think... People it's dehumanizing. Not kinda. even dehumanizing. It's just, it's hard for a lot of people, especially when you've taken an L to think outside of yourself. Yeah. Because you've just it's, thought that you, you lost. You take it super fucking personal. Yeah, you take it extremely personal. So like, one of the and things you where... you blame the other motherfucker you, that's too. Because that's the easiest route to take. So it's 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 interesting because when I read or 
you know, as Ooh, I've known about reinforces well, racism. Well, as God, I've known damn, about, it sucks, yeah, it does. It. Because of as I've learned about affirmative They're action, the truthfully, They're at the end of the day, us. the biggest thing against affirmative action is human nature. Oh yeah, point <laughs> blank, we're just born to care about ourselves because if something and, doesn't work out in our favor. It's it's everyone else's fault. And like you know? we've talked about, I, I sincerely, when we had Dr. Dion, and, and she, we, we explored it a little bit, but the the biological case for racism. Yes. That it is ingrained in most organisms to protect their own interests yes. by protecting the interests of other organisms that resemble that them resemble more. them. Yes. Biologically. And I, I feel like if we don't acknowledge that possibility, we're ignoring a big piece of the puzzle because I think being able to transcend our more animalistic inclinations, we have to acknowledge them to fucking begin with. If we act like it doesn't exist, we're, we're completely glossing over a huge piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Well, I recall an episode that y'all did in your Overcome series with uh, Tyler Young. Shout out Tyler Young, strong man. Um, where he had told a story about him wanting to be an officer in the military and being told, hey, you've got all the tools that it takes except you're the wrong color right yep. now. Mm-hmm. So I can certainly understand the frustration from whichever side doesn't get the opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can also appreciate that somebody at least made an attempt legislatively to try and even the playing field if they could. Because what you also do, the more people from different backgrounds you put into positions where they have more opportunity to affect change, the more you change the perspectives of that whole team that's involved in that process. If all that's ever presented is the white Eurocentric viewpoint, 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 and you're growing a business that's going to become maybe... Bigger than your state, and then bigger own, than your country, and then whatever. Yeah, then you really are not doing yourself a service by not adding other perspectives, so that it more closely reflects society as a whole. That's and why then, nationalism is so goddamn dangerous. Yes, that's true. That's why nationalism is so fucking <laughs> dangerous mm-hmm. because it's an attempt to homogenize. American culture mm-hmm. and negate pluralistic ideals. If you just have this consumerism, and consumerism is intrinsically tied to what our what amounts to our manifestation of a Eurocentric society. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If we don't get that shit under control, if the push for a homogenized nationalistic society works, we're gonna run ourselves completely Absolutely. into the fucking ground. That's how. That's how. Literally, all of the. Major civilizations have fallen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's literally because and, of and that. it's linked to hubris, like yes, a motherfucker. It's too. hubris. It's all these dumb, just complacent, belligerent motherfuckers sitting around yeah. doing nothing, talking mad shit. Which again, that's kind of what we're goddamn doing right now. Yeah. No, I mean it, it's true. It's one hundred percent true. Do you, have you guys? Obviously, you and I have talked about South Africa and apartheid. Yeah, and truth and reconciliation. Truth and reconciliation. Which I'm a big. I'm a big fan of exploring it. We won't say yes. I'm like waving a yeah, flag, yeah, yeah. but but I think it's an interesting fucking concept. I yeah, think it, have, you've heard of truth and reconciliation. Yeah, and this is interesting. Uh, Trevor Noah, there's like a behind the scenes yep. on the the Daily Show or whatever, 
where uh, they had asked him what he thought about Liam Neeson coming out recently. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, saying, you know, I, I wanted to find a black person. I was going to kill that I was going to kill him. <laughs> and he had kind of put that whole perspective out there. And he was like, well, you know, it's think about the context that it was presented in. If Liam Neeson presented this, you know, on Oprah and had somebody who was on the other side of the fence to say, well, you know, Liam Neeson, you know, that's wrong. That's foul of you. But had you know, a counterpart to go back and forth to kind of frame it in a way that it was beneficial for everybody for him Mm. to put that out there versus the outlet that it did come through and not having that other perspective. Yeah, yeah, them saying, well, Liam Neeson's canceled. Yeah, that see... That's and, one. That's one thing I cannot. And I've got with, a man. huge problem right now yeah. with society's quick rush to throw people in the trash because Aziz Ansari is fucked up now too because of this shit. Well, I'm saying it's oh, one of those of the, things. Me too. Yeah and, yeah, and honest to God, and, and, and again, not to denigrate that in any way. Yeah. I'm a big fucking supporter, but that particular story and and through mm. correspondence with a whole lot of different people, yep. it seems to come down to a more of a uncomfortable, undesirable sexual experience yeah. than something non-consensual. Right, but what is it with us as a society right now that we want to, we want for the most part demigods as celebrities yeah, and as and, politicians. And, and, yeah. and if they fall short, we're if like, you ever, in the pit! Yeah. We need someone who has never in their life been human. Yeah. Dwayne Johnson. Never never had I bet you never had ill thought, never had, you know, uh, a, a, a flaw that they've overcome or anything. We we find out something a politician did 30 or 40 years ago and then in their career 40 years into the future. Yeah. Without giving that person the opportunity and a lot of times it's that person's fault, guys. As far as yeah. how they choose to yeah. to present themselves yeah, or to frame is. that information, like all the shit that's going on with the blackface, the Democrats, yeah. right? They were doing the blackface and the mm-hmm. KKK stuff, right? But a lot of times, it's you know how many people you know what walk up to the mic and say, "Hey guys, yeah, I was young and dumb once upon a time, mm. and here's how I've changed since then. Let me show you the proof." Of my growth as instead a of person. acting like Ted yes. fucking Cruz, like he yes. never did shit, right. and yeah. and, he, and his own daughter don't want her touching her. Right. Mm-hmm. So let me oh, show you. Let me show you who I am now versus who I was when I made a mistake. And guys, I want you to know that I have made mistakes, yeah. and you as persons who I will be representing in yeah. office or whatever. You should want someone who has made mistakes and, and learned from them. Do you think that that is something that is is a big problem in the black community. Like the giving passes to certain people just because of, I mean, some people may, might've done some shit in the past or like that. And we kind of just leave it alone or something. And then just kind of let them go because I, I feel like, and this is sort of jumping on another thing. I feel like in our community, there's a, there's a lack of heroes. And I think that we give some, some heroes passes because of shit. Like they might've done some shit way, way back in the day, but we'll still glamorize and, be on, on board of them and stuff like that because we don't have many heroes in the community. What do you think about that? I think that I, 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 it's an interesting phenomenon that you're talking about. So let's just use a couple of examples. Let's use Bill Cosby. And that was what I was going to talk about. Let's use Bill Cosby. He got no pants. <laughs> let's use Bill Cosby and currently who's 
let's use R. Kelly. Oh, fuck okay. R. Kelly, though. I think, it, well, well, all right, let's go. Let's then go. It's, then it's universally, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it let's... should universally be, hey, fuck R. Kelly. Yeah. What is wrong with you, man? And if anybody's still riding with R. Kelly, hey, guys, that, that's no count. That's sorry. That's <laughs> a goes, trash no look. Count. That's a trash but we got, look on but, your but, part. But consistency. Consistency. You got to walk back, buddy fucking Holly, yeah. right? Didn't he marry his 13 year old cousin or some shit? I knew that. I remember Elvis liked uh, some. She was a little kid. She was whenever, 15, fifteen when they got something. together. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking, if I'm not mistaken, Buddy Holly married his cousin, and, and she was like thirteen, yeah. or fourteen, or something like that. Uh, that shit is pretty rife in the white community, yeah. and them motherfuckers have been getting passes like nobody's business. Yeah, but uh, right. again, when we were saying with black communities like Cosby, because we didn't have, there was no model family. The Huxtables, it was what everyone wanted to live Hell yeah. yeah. A brownstone you know? in Brooklyn yeah. Heights, New York. They wanted right. that. Absolutely. And hell, yeah. we still want that. Absolutely. We still yeah, want we that. That was that. dope, man. Yeah. But, you know what I'm saying? Even though I can acknowledge the good that he did, ultimately, his legacy was... It was a sham. It was a facade. Uh, I mean, I appreciate what he did on television, but TV is TV, guys. So it was a well-written show which showed a black man in a positive situation doing right by his family. Good to go there. But he used the resources that he got from that to be a terrible, foul human being. And he did it for decades. And you can't condone that in any circumstances. So to say, hey, the Cosby show is a good thing, yeah, absolutely. Well, to and, say that Bill Cosby is a good dude, nope. Bill Cosby's not a good dude, guys. <laughs> and it he made some up good the Cosby moves. Show too. It did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and here's Ghost another. Dad. Here's, oh Ghost yeah, Dad. I love Ghost Dad, man. Yeah, Leonard, do you remember Leonard? Yeah. Like the private eye. Oh, <laughs> yeah, my God. yeah. There were some good things Bill Cosby did, but there was also some horrible, terrible things that he terrible. did. And for that, Bill Cosby should forever burn in infamy. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about his luck. All right, so what about people like um, like Ben Carson? Okay, so you see Ben Carson, and I he see, is... He, I give him a pass, because he doesn't seem like he's okay. Uh, <laughs> no. Some of us are not but, okay with Ben but Carson. But Ben Carson, he seems he, a he, yeah, Juicy just said something horribly offensive, so we're going to have to edit that part out. You'll get to hear us laughing about it, though. Thanks. Bit. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, guys. I'm not editing it. I'm guys. not editing like, uh, uh. <laughs> Maybe I will edit that part. Maybe now, I will edit that. Bill, I'll, I'll just up touch. Now, okay. now, now, Mr. Carson is. Yeah, believe it. Is, yeah, I got to. Uh, That's fucked up. You do. Mr. Carson is uh his story is phenomenal. Yeah. What he's been able to accomplish, what he's been able to overcome oh has, been, <laughs> has been fantastic. However, uh his his opinions and what kind of ideals he stands behind and backs, I can't really ride with Mr. Carson on those because they're not consistent with my life experience. So do you when when people call him things like an Uncle Tom, him and Stacy Dash, you know, when people call them Uncle Toms and, and people call him all these other things. When uh, um, when he's Uncle Ruckus. Uncle Ruckus. Yeah, he is <laughs> Colonel ain't stink meaner is his name, dude. <laughs> stink meaner, man. He's like, I hate your eyes. <laughs> your big ass nostrils. <laughs> but uh when when people have 
He's, may white God bless you, Robert. <laughs> God. Oh, God. Sweet blonde hair, blue blonde. eyed. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> I love white women. Oh. <laughs> All right, but for real, for real, with, with Ben Carson, uh, he, he has overcome a lot. And because of his political things, it's like he does get thrown into the trash. So, like, where, who do we follow? Who do we follow? There's, there's the Obamas, right? And, man, you couldn't, you couldn't, I was talking about, I was like, if you could just engineer the perfect motherfucking family, that's the Obama. Like, I, it's like they were made in a lab. Yeah, my wife read a swagging ass president. Yeah, but the, she read she read everything in the book and all, or she has a Michelle Obama's book. She was reading and she's like, "Hey, look at the story." I'm like, "Holy crap, these guys are perfect." But in my head, I'm like, "He killed a lot of motherfuckers with yeah, some drone strikes. Yeah, he, he did a lot, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of this and stuff happened. And, and that's the duality of of us having a president because there's an enormous part that we all, if you have have. A brain can acknowledge that there's a lot of pageantry that's involved there is. with it. There is a it, lot. It's the same kind of principle as like football season mm. or whatever. It gets people fucking stirred up and paying attention and engaged and talking and ratings and all this kind of bullshit. But uh, the duality of having a president that an administration has policies that you need to pay attention to yes. and understand, which they make them as convoluted as possible mm -hmm. oftentimes and pass things along with other things. Oh, they piggyback yeah. things. Oh, yeah. A lot. It's a, horrible. A, a lot of times. The understanding is that fundamentally the president is not... He may be a symptom. He may be an instigator, like yes. the one that we've got now is yes. an instigator, but you... Uh, it's much bigger issue than him. Yeah. You know, like putting the onus on Obama... I, see, I don't. It's not like I'm like hell yeah, Obama did all this good ass shit. I just thought he was a rock star. Yeah, and, and, I and that's was, the thing. I thought that he was a rock star. Like when you look at all, and it's because of like I like to think that because of people kind of once he got in, there was all the we had we had House and Senate and everything. When we lost all that, couldn't get shit done. So largely, not a lot got done outside of uh, uh, outside of the passing of health care bill and all that kind of stuff, right? But, and then of course killing, you know, Osama Bin Laden and whatnot. But when you think of everything so else that... this amazing shit that this beautiful biracial president <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you when you look at all the other stuff, it's like, what, what I seemed to take the most away from it was the way that he made me feel. And like... There, it's, Tell us more about that. Oh uh, God, no! But truthfully, <laughs> I think that I think that the way that that the Obama family made black people feel, I never, I haven't felt that more proud to be oh, fucking when, an American. When you got elected, like the I, don't, first I didn't time, claim shit. We, dude, we was hyped. I as was fuck. so hyped. There were people crying and shit. Yeah, man, I was so hyped when he got elected. And even the second time, I was like, we beat the evil white people again. <laughs> but I well, did. well, that was the thing, though. If you're growing up uh, as a black American and you're always hearing, through hard work, you can be anything you, you want to be. That's exactly. It's not real until I see somebody that looks like me at the top. Yeah. Yeah. It is not a real concept. It sounds good, you mm -hmm. know, to, to hype somebody up and say, young man, you can be anything you want to be. Until you've seen... Someone that looks like you sitting on the mountaintop. Yes, it's hard to actually. It's hard. And it's hard to actually put. I don't know. Put 
like a, a foundation underneath the thought and the yeah. drive that you need to get there. You know what I'm saying? When, and, and and not only that, not only in to a, make it a non-abstract concept, and yes. not and not only in appearance, but but a man who carried himself in such a way that that through you, bullshit that that you could identify with yes. him, that you could, absolutely like because like, even on the road up there, people are saying you're not a real, you know, oh, but, people are saying but you're but not no, legitimate, you're not a real American, all this and other he stuff. Had that stroll, he had just a certain fucking way about him. Have yes. you seen that video where he comes walking up and he's just like. He, there's a baby, and he's like, "Oh, we got a brand new one here." <laughs> and be like, "How old?" Oh, six months. And he just picks up this baby, and the baby's like, "Well, yeah, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened <laughs> yeah. to me." Like Barack Obama just understands babies intrinsically. <laughs> he is a rock star of the highest accord. Of the highest. But that's what he's there for. Yeah. He's there, so we're we're chomping at the bit to defend. What amounts to, you know, certain policies that, that we do appreciate, we emphasize those and then downplay the fact that his administration was very centrist. Very, very, very centrist. centrist and, very. Uh, and responsible for so many confirmed drone yes. strike kills. But, and also A lot being of them were so innocent centrist, goddamn children. Yes, and, and being very centrist, do you think that the society now, which is swinging far left, it could they could be swinging far left in a response to the far right swing, but God, do you, I hope do you, so. the do you far think right that yeah, but do, you, but do you think that there, he would still have the same amount of support if he were running for president right now? Who Barack Obama? Yeah, being I think he would annihilate. I think he would totally. I, I think he would. He would if if there was somebody with with his everything. I'm, I'm saying like before he was president. So if this if this was the first time that Barack Obama was running for president. Do you think that he would still have the same clout? Being centrist, given that a lot of society is swinging very far left, do you think that he would have the support of his party? Yes. Yeah. You do? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think they would have the support of the people. Yeah, I don't know that he would that have the support abil- of his party because our parties are such shit shows right yeah, now. Sure. That, but he, I think yeah. he has the intangible ability to unify the party at, at, or the parties, whatever you want yeah. to fucking call it, but unify the left... I think he has that ability, even if somebody has to hold their nose and vote for it. Yeah. Because right now, what we're dealing with that I'm seeing is everybody is looking for a reason not to vote for the left-wing candidate. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, that bitch did this. Yeah. Did it. This motherfucker said this dumbass shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, we, we need to... And I, they need to rally around someone. Yeah, they need to rally around somebody. And, and the... And honestly, the Democrats need to quit trying so hard because the Republicans just absolutely just stuff the ball on them every time they go to well, the basket. Yep. Well, if let's well let's just take the two parties out for a minute. I voted for Barack Obama not because he was an African American, but because the way that he carried himself, I in my heart of hearts felt that he was a good person. Yeah. I felt that his wife was a good person. Mm-hmm. I felt that they were trying to do the right thing by their children. And the right wing did them dirty. Yeah, and I feel like they, they were doing the right thing, you know, well, and how they carried themselves in general. So when I vote for anyone, generally policy comes second to me because if you're not a good person, I don't really care about what you got to say about nothing. I don't, I don't, if you're not, if I don't feel you to be a good person, and that's different from person to person, but and I have no interest in putting you in a position to affect change in any way that could 
be meaningful for me or my family or my community. If you're not a, a good person, then I feel like, you know, it's a waste of time for me to vote and put you in a position to affect change. You're not going to affect change that is going to affect other good people. Yeah. Does that make sense? You're yeah. either going to operate in a way that is a very, uh, very self-serving. self-serving. Yeah. Yes. Mrs. Uh, Cortez has said some super interesting things. Oh yeah, and, and, and the Senate and floor this week it's about so hey, telling. Yeah, it's so telling how how they're trying to chip at her credibility. Oh yeah, yeah. she's they're crucifying yeah. her as she's, a nutbag. Hey, yeah. but she's, she's making dangerous. perfect yeah. sense. She's fucking yeah. killing. She's them. explaining things to in a level that like everyone's like, oh shit, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm trying saying? To make and her that's seem like she's a fucking loony. Yeah, yeah, they are because everyone on both sides is trying to protect their jobs right now mm-hmm. because it's like you're going to start you're going to see a very uh, very far young socialist young socialist is going to take over and there's Where nothing wrong come? with using We're the term to Lou. <laughs> yeah, the red whatever libtards venezuela let's get back on topic here <laughs> gentlemen <laughs> all, right, all right here we go so the next thing <laughs> that was good that was really good all right so i do want to talk about reparations you had said um that when whenever we started off if this was a race black people started off with shackles um so how how do you sort of view reparations is it is it purely monetary is it something else what do you think it uh, you're about to say something funny i no, see this I oh, okay okay that, i'm okay. looking at the space i'm like oh <laughs> no, shit okay well let's just think about the concept of 40 acres and a mule you know okay what I'm saying at the yeah. time it was hey we can give every black person 40 acres and a mule you know and go and that didn't happen. And it did not did happen. Not. But I could see a remarkable difference in American society these days. If you had given all these all these freed slaves who guys, people think about slaves as, you know, savages run around the African savannah, which is not the case. No. Slaves were architects, engineers, yes. farmers, doctors, mm-hmm. lawyers who were captured, brought over here, stripped of their culture, and then had all of their talents used for the good mm-hmm. and had any individual individualism or any sense of culture and everything violently, violently suppressed. So when you look at the people that were freed from slavery, these are very capable people. Mm-hmm. And you mean to tell me that if you gave these very capable people resources so that they could do and grow i think that it would have been a game changer they were, we would have America. united absolutely <laughs> you, you and, would have seen like there would have been have black states or we exactly and, for a, and, and let's be real fear yeah fo- following any any of these steps yep. you know towards like civil rights legislation and it's been again slavery was not that long ago at nope. all so these steps that have occurred Anytime something has transpired that on paper seems good, there was always a group there to sow fear and chaos mm. and keep people suppressed and, and, and in their own homes and afraid. There still Let, is. I it's know. called Fox News. Yes. <laughs> Look. Yeah, it's but, called Facebook. It's but goddamn, like, motherfuckers. <laughs> lynchings and shit like yeah. that? What? That nineteen, the last lynching. Well, I was gonna say I the mean, last lynching was I think the eighties, wasn't it, or something? Well, that's execution by execution by hanging. Yeah, I'm talking about like we'll say like 
deep south yeah. lynchings in like 1950s maybe yeah i i shared on my facebook today actually um it was it was actually some very graphic pictures of lynchings Fuck, and black men being burned and, and this sort of thing lynching. and what was crazy about a lot of these pictures that i shared was, you know, a lot of times you'll see a picture of a crime scene and it's jarring because it's a crime scene. But what was equally jarring to me is that there are groups of white people standing it's there an event. looking at the camera. Yeah, that's been going on since the, the 1100s. Or, yeah, I mean, public like, executions was like a thing. smiling. So, but that terror. Isn't it yeah. that, that a strange fruit? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it, it's about motherfuckers have been lynched. It's yeah. Yeah. terrorizing terrorizing black Americans for no other reason than this feeling of superiority. We've been socialized to believe that you guys are beasts and capable of operating on our level. And now that they've told us you're on our level and we can no longer treat you like you're under our boot, we are still going to treat you like we've been socialized to treat you. You are not on my level. You are not... And that and that mindset is still perpetuated yes, today. But I do want to say this is that on the on the animalistic level of human beings, like there's there's like there's this part of our of our personalities. I think I can't remember who it was that what uh, psychologist calls it your shadow. It's it's that dark part of you that has that literally contains all the worst parts of your your worst potentialities within your personality. Okay. Your predilection for eating booty. For yes, for eating booty possibly. But it's that part of you that no. It's that part of you that like secretly deep down wants to see someone get their head blown off. It's that you want to know you you're curious to see like what does that look see, like? See, I'm talking about eating booty and Kalu's no, obviously, obviously the cereal. No, 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 no. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Like bear with me. So when we have masses of people that would hold together to to watch a public execution. When you would see people getting drawn and young. boarding. It was Jungian. It was y- the concept of shadow self. Is Carl Jung. Yes, that's yeah, what we Jung. Jungian. So, um, Psychology. So when people wanted to see another person get drawn and quartered, you know, when you wanted to, when people wanted to see someone get tarred and feathered or something like that, or well, seeing people like out go- in the gallows. there's sites all over Yeah, the there's internet. gore sites. People, deep down, people want to see that. And so when you take it on another level, people did want to see those hangings they did want to see these lynchings and you can see people tapping into that dark side of them and they're smiling and they're getting some sick pleasure of it now you can't do that shit anymore but people are wanting to see they people like to see other people get hurt fall apart right fail they want to see that right but when people tap into that evil you usually want to see people that deserve it yeah get that sure and black people weren't getting it because they They deserved it they were getting it just because they were dark but these people thought that they deserved it because they the normal human thing is to think that you deserve everything for yourself right do you see what I mean so it's just like Dr. Dye said America has one baby and then they notice uh, you know mother america has one that was that was a fantastic analogy it was. holy shit shout out to dr Dad. yeah that so when america has that that young white baby and you see all the other babies out there the the young first baby wants the other one to die they want to drown it they want to do all this other stuff i think that that proclivity towards seeing that kind of violence and seeing terrible shit happen to that other race that other baby 
that's something that's way deeper than rate. It's just way deeper. It's like it's less competition. For it's resources. just it's less competition. Is what literally is you're, what it is. Yeah, you're very one less basal, to worry about. Like this, we're not talking about your prefrontal cortex operating here. We're talking about some very basal this kind of the, functions. That yes, if if another individual, especially one that is very different from me physiologically in yes. appearance does not survive, then by default that leaves more resources mm-hmm. and less competition. Yep. It's like one cell eating of the other four. And again, like that's that. the fucking thing is acknowledging that that's, a, that's part of this that's equation. Of, yes. That it's part of the sauce that as enlightened beings, as thinking apes, mm-hmm. that we can see the evil, we can acknowledge the evil, and then we can fucking do better than it. Yes. But if you don't acknowledge that yes. shit... If you go around thinking that you're better than that or you're separate from that, it's going to manifest itself. And I think that the reason why some of this shit is still going on right now in our societies is because we carry on thinking that we're above this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, I think, truthfully, the the, the day I became less violent or, like, not violent like like I had some kind of... You know, like people at gas no, <laughs> no. I'm saying like the when I became more about protecting all life was the moment that I realized that if I need to kill someone, I would. That's just it. Just came down to it. So it's like for me in my head, I know that if I had to, I would kill someone and have zero problems with it. But that thought is what makes me not want to do that. Oh yeah, you Absolutely. see what I mean? That well, thought makes me want to protect life. Well, and that's the thing. Like when I was an agent. Agent, it makes it sound like I'm something badass more than I was. But when I was working for child welfare, mm-hmm. we will say, um, there were situations where it would behoove me to have a firearm. Yeah. But the acknowledgement of having that lethality, mm-hmm. the the awareness of that lethality, by default made me more aware of yes. other lethalities, yes, other exactly. potentialities escalations of the situation, yes. how fragile everything mm-hmm. fucking is. And I think if you frame it up in those terms... It makes you want to talk to people. Yeah, it, it makes you want to bridge that gap and not yes. not, not go explore conflict. Yeah. But if you don't acknowledge it, it just becomes this abstract fucking feeling that seethes. Mm-hmm. And then you see a target that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about necessarily in like one-to-one violent terms. We're just talking about even something so much as a, a harsh look or a yeah. resentment that somebody is, uh, you know, getting something nice that you don't fucking have. Yep. Right. But just think about the power of language for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Black cat, evil, bad luck. You know, <laughs> dark, darkness, 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 evil, white cat, pure, innocent, mean, angels, mean. white, 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 glowing. All, all the media, all the books, everything makes what is dark evil and makes what is white <clears throat> light or right or whatever. And that's, that's pushed out there in all things. That's sure. pushed out there for kids who are growing to absorb and stuff. So when Kalu was just saying, you know what I'm saying, how empowering it was for him to have that realization, I would kill someone. White America had just heard six foot five powerful <laughs> black Nigerian fucking <laughs> King Kalu <laughs> <Balloon> the Joker <laughs> say that he's got the capacity <laughs> to kill <laughs> 
All of them clutched their collective purposes. But, but if his <laughs> name was Travis and he had a big long beard and was sitting in the front seat of his four-wheel drive ranting, yeah. talking I'm about, the, I can if you my daughter, I'll put a bullet in your fucking be, ass, they'd be like, that's American as that's apple pie. America. Yeah. Exactly. Now, why can Kalu and I, as strong, strong black Americans, not embrace that power Without it causing people to clutch their purses and reach for their guns. It's it's because it's just like Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. Right. And so we we just make sure. Shout out to his rice. Yeah, Yeah, shout out to his rice. (laughs) But, But the fact, I think that. Uncle Ben Carson? uh, No, that's Uncle Tom Carson. (laughs) But. Oh but gosh. I think that we were wise to to grasp onto that responsibility much quicker. I think that it's when I real it's almost it was almost instantaneous when I realized like oh yeah I can do that. It was just like okay now I've got to nip it and you know now that now that it's there I've realized it. Don't have to go and explore it. I know? love when yeah. like because some people because some people when they when they realize that that lethality what do they do they go buy a gun. They go and buy some. They go and get themselves ready for some shit to go down. Whereas me, I'm just like, I'm just gonna be nicer to people. How about that? Right. Do you know what I mean? I think that it's it's what you do with that knowledge is what really changes things for people. It certainly is, and I challenge all Black Americans to stand strong in their power of yes. who you are and where you came from. Absolutely. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can't connect it all the way back to Africa or whatever. But you have to realize that you came from the cradle of life, that you came from strength, that you came from knowledge, that you came from beauty, and that you are still all of those things. And how you are put out there and portrayed by the media or whatever, you know, you don't have to be defined by anything other than standing in the truth of who you are and putting your best self forth. Yeah. Put your best self forth for the younger generations of African Americans too. You don't have to look like a D boy. You don't have to be a rapper. You can just be strong, smart, intelligent Kalu Najoku, adding software to people's lives that is going to make their businesses stronger. Shout out to Bluegrass Cellular. You can be. You can be. You know, Bryce Wood, um, regular. Factory worker at Akibono Break in Glasgow right now. Um, Slash shake dancer. Right. Shake dancer. Deciding to go back to school and be a nurse to take care of more persons than I feel like you can maybe take care of to do something more meaningful for the community. Embrace who you are and what power you have, and you don't have to use it to make people fear you, but if people fear you because you are powerful, because they're insecure... Let let that be what yeah. it is. Yep. That's beyond your control. Well, and, yeah. but that's a whole that's a whole other fucking kettle of fish as well. Because yeah. I, I think that that's at the very root of why the uh, uh, like the police shootings of mm-hmm. young unarmed black men is such an important issue to be fucking addressed. Because 
even going back, and I know there's plenty of people on the left that are like, how dare you say anything about Hillary Clinton? But Hillary Clinton talking about uh, young black males being like super predators or some shit like that back in the early 90s mm. was vile. Yeah, yes. that was sickening. And pa painting that picture, and I think that there is an overarching, like Kalu was talking about like the idea that somebody's going to get their purse snatched or some shit like that. But, but even beyond that, just being viewed as a threat, being powerful and i can't necessarily get you to do what i want you to fucking do is that and and there's a lot of denial where it's like well it's not about him being black i think that if you're already afraid of that individual yeah. because they're black you're not gonna admit that well, that's why well here's the thing it's just like also what we learned from uh the episode with dr die you're not responsible for your first thought. It's something you and I had talked Unless about too. Unless you're the police. Uh, well, uh, you're you're not you responsible, responsible yeah. for your first. Yes, everything. No, I'm saying you're you're not responsible for your first thought, but you're responsible for your second and your third and your fourth, and especially those actions that follow yeah. afterwards. Yes. So if someone sees me as a threat, I cannot get mad at them that that's the first. That's what they've seen on TV all the time. That's why I wrote about in just the the blog entry I did this morning. Is that. It's it's about our thoughts. It's about that very first notion. When you see someone comes that comes in the the door and it's a big fucking black dude or something like that, I get it. I get it. That's why I come in with a smile. Okay. That's why I come in and I'm and I'm talking at someone. And it's not. Because I have to disarm you, white people. Yeah, it, it is. It's a form of disarming, but it's I, it's something that I'm okay with. And look, it's it's for me. It's it's having that knowledge. It's me seeing a scared student or a scared child and me saying it's okay. But and, but what's so bizarre to me, and, and I don't know if it's the, the fucking weirdo way that I grew up in relation to most people's upbringings, but when I see a black face, I see a familiar individual. Mm. I see, like, if I'm somewhere and it's overwhelmingly white people there, I might be like, I don't know, I might have more in common with this person right here. Yeah. In general. And I think... The overall consensus, again, thinking in terms of black males especially being threatening is very telling, mm -hmm. I, I believe. And, and it, it underscores how white supremacy is still very much a motherfucking thing. And again, going back to not making acknowledgments about our deepest, darkest predilections and also making allowances for things like truth and reconciliation – Going full circle back to Liam Neeson, if you do not allow white people to come forward and say... They have to be able to. You got to. And and, and I understand it gets exhausting. Yes. I understand that, that the whole fight is exhausting. But... But it's, it's worth fighting. It's worth yeah, it fighting. Is, it, and it has to be fought on yes. those terms. Liam has to come forward and we have to listen. And let him take ownership. Yeah, that was That, that, was, that stupid was fucked shit. up. Yeah, and, that was and, stupid. And, and I will always look at you differently, Liam. Yeah. But I got to respect you on, on some level for taking ownership of that shit. And now what happens unless, is the rest of his uh, life he'll work unless, towards making it better. Uh, uh, unless. Unless it was something that, that he got wind of that was going to come out anyway. And then he, he got, got ahead, ahead of it. Of it. Yeah, right. We can't. Which is which is possible, yeah. but I want right. to I want to think the best. Yeah, I want to think the best, but then I also want people to realize, hey, it's okay when there is the extreme black blowback. We'll call it where yeah. you've got the most vocal persons who. By default, for some reason in white America, become the voice of the black people. Yeah, you get yeah. the hyper hyper angry. Black response 
and that's what's televised because it's good ratings. Yeah. Or you get your Jesse Jackson and everything, and then everybody and says, parade well, around. and yeah. everybody parade around, hey, well, what about Jesse Jackson it's like some and Al Sharpton? It's like a goddamn it minstrel is, show. It is okay mm-hmm. for you to come on out and say, hey, I don't agree with Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and all this stuff. I acknowledge that that person came forward to try and one, take responsibility for something that they feel to be wrong, and two, start a conversation that might lead to some healing for more persons than themselves, you know, knowing that they were going to be crucified for it. You can step up as black America and say, hey, there are many facets to us. You don't have to listen to the extreme side that came out first because not all of us are in agreement with this. Some of us feel like, hey, Good for you, man. Go ahead and talk what you was talking about. You know what I'm saying? We 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 yeah. we uh, we acknowledge what you're doing right now. Let me, and we don't want to crush what you're trying to say and what you're trying to do. Let me ask you this: Do you do you feel that whites or even just non-blacks need more healing than we do? They need so much more healing than we do, and that's the yeah. problem. I yeah, feel because like- because benefiting from. A toxic system is like a drug. It and, is. And, and getting it's people an off of it. Yeah. Having somebody voluntarily disengage from their privilege that they've yeah. acknowledged it's is hard, just, man. this is my reality. Yeah. Getting them to voluntarily disengage from that, man, it, it's damn near impossible. Yeah. What were you going to say, Bryce? It is. Well, nothing. I mean, I'm just saying I understand. I, I understand. If I'm a white person, you know, not wanting to hear, well, uh, well, Life has been so much easier because I'm white and this and that and the other. Well, I'm not saying your life hadn't has been sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. I'm not. I understand <laughs> that you've had some struggles as well. I'm not negating that your experience isn't any more profound to who you are as a person than anyone else's experience. I'm just saying that it doesn't have to be a competition. You don't have to attribute you know, this negative energy towards the black community because some concessions are at least trying to be made to move to a more even playing field. I mean, it's not, it's not a slight against you. We don't want to see y'all do bad. We want to see y'all do good as well. So please don't harbor that negativity and throw it towards the black community. And also don't judge us as a collective. So the idea of buy black, hire black, I, do you think that that's counterproductive towards a movement of this healing that I feel like we all kind of think needs to be achieved? I think that you should support. I think that you should support local business in general. It's yeah. by black and your community. Your community. Yeah. I think yes, yeah, businesses by, should be a representation. Yes, is by black good? Yes, is by Asian good? Yes, is by you know Kentucky proud, BG strong. You know. Is buying local a good thing? Yes. Invest in your community. Take care of your community. Because if you haven't noticed, corporations have been legislated to have the same rights as people. Mm -hmm. If you think Walmart cares about you, they do not. So to throw your money to Walmart for them to continue to be more powerful and more influential, whereas you could spend an extra dollar and get better service or a better product from the mom and pop shop up the street and have that affect much more at the local level than 
you know, it, it ever could going into Walmart's massive bank account, you should do that. I, I will totally say, endorse that. I'll say, though, that everything has a cost, including change. Uh, and it's hard to want to support your community when you got it when you live check to check and you're like, hey, I can buy these tomatoes for four or five dollars or I can spend two dollars at this store. I, I'm saying I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying that I understand why people choose the other route. And it seems like the oh, only people, yeah, yeah. And it seems like the people that are buying local are wealthy people. Are the people that could afford to do so for it's, the most part? It's hard, but I'm telling you, if it, you can support your local farmers market, do it. If you can make some relationships with some farmers, it'll and, get you know cheaper. What I'm it will. It, it gets will cheaper get as cheaper. we as we yeah, depend more economies on it. of it, scale. It yeah. will get cheaper, but, but we can't bend. That's the thing. Mm. Is there's going to be this resistance? Mm-hmm. There, there'll there'll be pushback. Yep, yep. There will be pushback, but man, you've got to keep fighting towards. You've got to keep making progress. You've got to keep yeah, fighting I don't, towards. I really don't fuck with Walmart. I, can't. Now, I do go to Kroger and like Meyer sometimes. But they I do be, too, they but they take cheese. better care of their yeah, they, employees. They do. They, Shout out Kroger and Meyer. Well, I, I don't know as much about Meyer, but I, I like know, Aldi. I know you would. Huh? I do like Aldi. Do you bring your own bags? Huh? Sometimes, yeah. We got bags in the garage. You're adorable. Huh? <laughs> Dude, I like Aldi, man. You, I know, just, you know what I like about Aldi? I like that. They're, that is a true melting pot. A, I see a shitload of Mercedes out there mm-hmm. because they get it. But I also see like people from other countries. Yeah, and it's oh, like yeah. everyone just kind of. You know what I like about Aldi is that they're they're lookalikes of everything that's like yep. from some other brand. Yep. And a glance looks exactly fucking like it, and then yep. you walk up on it, and it's like, oh, you it's like tricky fruit bitch. scoops. You got me again, it's almost. Fruit scoops, fruit scoops, <laughs> damn <You> delicious, <laughs> sneaky bitch. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so I want to get on the next thing is, and, and I think this is a big one: the use of social media and, and ignorance as a means of control. Let's talk about that in reference to the black community. Golly. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it makes I you want to throw up a little bit. It's so big. Well, I mean, first, let's start with school. Mm. All right? Your history books are basically put out from a Eurocentric standpoint, always have been. Mm. So Black History Month is beautiful in that there's at least a month where no one will try and censor you when you talk about the achievements of black Americans. Every other month. They're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Hang it up, Jamal. (laughs) (laughs) Just quit, Jamal. Jesus. Exactly. So at least for that month, there's a legitimate effort by the media and everyone else to highlight the contributions of black Americans and black people to um, what this country is. Um, I do feel as though... uh, Just say it. He's like, I feel like we should kill. <laughs> I do still feel though, is like as if everything is still in a in a current state of remaining whitewashed and continuing to be whitewashed. I'm not. Oh, and there's even, an active I, attempt to actually gloss over it even more. Right. Sure. I'm not seeing a push at making books more reflective of a broader. Uh, ethnic experience or a broader American experience. I'm not seeing that what's being put out there to our children is still not always white, 
blue-eyed, blonde, pretty, you Well, know, and downplaying atrocities that have occurred in way history. Way downplaying mm. atrocities. Mm. The genocide of Native Americans, uh, slavery as a whole, lynching, segregation. Colonialism across mm. the fucking world. Oh my world. gosh, everything is just glossed and, over and dumbed and down. And it's the same thing as making the acknowledgement about ourselves, mm-hmm. those dark acknowledgements. Yes, yes. If you don't make these dark acknowledgements about history, yes. then... Well, it's just like they say, you're doomed to repeat no, it. No, motherfucking <laughs> shit, man. Yeah, you're absolutely doomed to repeat it. We just, we, we don't talk about that stuff enough. We just don't. Well, and, and social media is an excellent tool for... Creating echo chambers, mm-hmm. first of all. If you're not careful, that's what your friends list will be, is just an echo yep. chamber. Um, and then also a means of spreading hysteria and false information, yeah. easily mm-hmm. diffusing it. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is create a meme with like a cute little picture attached to it. And then, like, it'll be from a page called like Dixie Rebel Girl. Dixie Rebel Girl. Harley 42. And, uh, and then they just share it like it's the fucking gospel. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm sure I'm guilty of oh, yeah, seeing I am some too. shit and being yeah. like, well, this reinforces my pre existing viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go ahead and put this shit out in the world. Mm-hmm. And it has an impact. It's yes. toxic. Yes. It's super toxic. Uh I was looking at a meme earlier that's exactly what we're talking about right now. And it was basically uh, it's it's uh, several Asian women in a factory, you mm-hmm. know, a sweatshop-esque factory, I guess you would say. And um, the caption was something to the effect of, you know, so these women make 20 cents an hour in a Chinese Nike factory so that Nike can afford to pay Colin Kaepernick to spread his agenda and blah blah blah. Yeah. And I, someone in my in my in, on my weaponization list, of right, guilt. Someone on my friends list had had spread this or posted this to their wall, and I was just like, "You have got to be kidding me!" Yeah. But your newsfeed any given day is fifty percent trash like that. Probably. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. Just I think propaganda. That, and I think it's it's funny that. I see. I every time I get on Facebook, I'm almost glad that the the young kids say it's stupid and it's for old people. Yeah, it's just I like it's, it's turning Kalu- into a shit show. I really like whenever I happen upon Kalu having a discussion with somebody on Facebook because I just get giddy. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> do it. Because I feel like I'm the only person just getting on everybody's nerves. Like they're like, oh, oh yeah. I don't want to argue with Kalu. Oh, I don't want to start this fucking yeah. argument with him. But when I see you doing it, I'm like. I live vicariously through your argument. <laughs> no, people, it's funny when I try not to have those on social media because He's being coy, huh? <laughs> I'd rather have them in person. Honestly, yeah. uh, well, I would rather just settle it with Mystica. I'd rather just like come over, let's talk about it. But people want to get on there, and so. That's because you lose the element, Kalu. If huh? I have to sit next to you, Kalu, and yeah. defend my viewpoint, I don't have the same bravado yeah, as they I do. But that, but sitting in thing. my living room behind my keyboard where I know all the problems of the world and their solutions. Yes. But here's the thing. First of all, if you sit behind a keyboard arguing on Facebook, you could get your ass whooped. But the only <laughs> people doing that now... <laughs> Here's the thing. They're wheezing. They're breathing out of their mouth and their neck beard is on point. No, no, no. Check this, though. I I would rather have those conversations because of the episode that we had a long time ago 
And we we said the quote, or not even a quote, we came up with it, just removing the gloves. So if you know the concept of like MMA fighters, they had talked at one point about removing the gloves that they have on there because you have less... Oh God, this big old bear claw. <laughs> but you have uh, you have a greater chance of breaking your fist, right? You're breaking your hand. You show more regard for the blows that you throw when your when your hand is uncovered. Right. And so you're I gonna think do, that you're going to do more butt punches. You're going to do you more butt punches than face punches. <laughs> but here's the thing: I'm saying that when when you are when you're having that discussion with someone face to face, like I won't I won't want to say things that that I would normally. On social media that I'd say to you, so I because I don't want to hurt you, I just want to help. I want us to figure something out because it can easily turn into a big old shit show, and I do not lose when I'm going you know into what? when we're going into dozens on some shit and we're like ridiculing each other. Like a, look I don't like, fucking lose. And B, if any of my friends start to see it, there's like oh fuck, everyone's gonna start jumping in and trolling you, and then it's just gonna be bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I would rather have that talk so we can so I can see if I say something wrong or say something that you don't get, you're not gonna sit there and start making assumptions or you're gonna start doing this or pulling up. You know whatever. what happens though? What's that? You know what? Motherfuckers will get to a point where you are you're trying. You're yes. actively trying to understand what they're saying mm -hmm. and get them to understand what you're saying. And the cognitive dissonance is so fucking strong that they still maintain that they like you as a person. Yes. Even though ideologically you all do not coincide yeah. and should be kind of enemies, mm -hmm. probably they'll be like, "Man, I'm sorry. We're just gonna have to agree, just to, agree disagree. to disagree, man. It's just a difference I love of you, opinion." Bro. I love yeah, you. man. They always say, "Don't talk about politics and religion." Yeah. Am I right, man? I, and then we're like, "Oh yeah, argument over." Yeah. No, I, and, I then, want... and then po that poison is still there. Yes, it's still there, and that's why I say that. I'm sorry. I think that so. No, it's okay. I think that's why. Social media is not helping any of our communities out anywhere. So Except that my page. Mine's the open to mother. <laughs> and the Salumas page. Yeah, obviously. the Salumas page and my private page, but you got to act right to get on the private page. <laughs> but Social media has the potential to affect change on a grand scale, and it does. It affects an election. But, <laughs> right, exactly. But the thing with social media is those persons who make up the society on that media have to take ownership of who they are and what they believe, and they need to have researched enough to have a solid foundation to stand on. If they're just going to stand mm. on their little soapbox and recite drivel that they've never even developed a firm... A baby can be aborted the day before oh, it's God. set to be delivered. Right. That yes. sort of thing, you have got to have invested I enough of God, your I saw time... It on Facebook. And your energy into your positions that you have a leg to stand on. Otherwise, you're just wasting everyone's time and making social media the opposite of the tool that it could be to make the world a better place. But it... it it is the tool that it's supposed to be because it's taking the attention. It's taking the time. Even if it is bullshit time. Like, they're making the money off of the ads. Like, the the number one thing that anyone wants in these networks is your attention. Oh, yeah. The more time that you're spending, for better or for worse, for more, the more time that you're, sending scroll, that you're spending scrolling and everything, 
That's just money in the bank. Back up the Brinks truck if you're Facebook. You know what I'm saying? It's just over and over and over in these clicks. Damn. If you put yourself in that position, if you put yourself in anybody's position where the money's just rolling in, it has a way of altering your perspective on fucking things. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Humans become less important. They do. Right. But we all have one life to live. So in that life, I would contest that you should love people, not things. Because things will pass away, but people are the catalyst for this whole life being a beautiful and meaningful. It's like starting thing. a wave at a sporting event. Like <laughs> you started here, right. and the uh, motherfucker, you got to keep it going, man. Or the movie Pay It Forward with Haley Joel Osment. We can affect change oh on a grand scale if we're willing to invest us into other people. And stop being so damn lazy. So, a lot but, of people just don't help people because they're lazy. Yes, and also, but here's the thing with Facebook though, and social media in general, it is because you're saying like get rid of things, be more about people. Like people's identities are now linked to their Facebook. That is who they are. It's their. It's everything to them. Not just Facebook. It's their Twitter. It's their Instagram. It's like people are making their livelihood off of this. And so I think that it's a very different thing now because now to cut off the thing that is Facebook is like cutting off yourself. What do you think on that? I don't think you have to cut off the thing that is Facebook. You just have to cut off your bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think the refreshing thing about the Salumas podcast is that it challenges you to think past what you were spoon-fed on TV mm. and to think past what you were spoon-fed in the classroom and to think past what you're going to be spoon-fed on Sunday morning. And I'm do, getting so hungry. Do mm. a little work. I feel like it's banana pudding. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Do a little work or do a lot of work to understand and develop a character that is rooted in substance, mm. an intellectual substance in knowledge and in learning. And then once you have that foundation of who you are... And, and continuity. Mm. Yeah. The continuity between mind and fucking body. and yeah. And... It, living centered as well. I know it's a cliche term that gets thrown around, but man, think about it. How many times we've been in situations in our lives where it almost seems like we're operating outside of ourselves Mm. and not in a good way. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not in a, a, what is it? Mm, what, what's the it. term? Say it. Transient hypofrontality. Not in a cool way like that. Like a, I'm jaded and yes, I'm yes. operating on less sleep than I desire. You got tunnel vision mm. kind of shit going on. Um, yeah, man. Learn some skills too. Yes. That's, oh, that's I an, 100% agree. That's an important fucking thing. And I can't yeah. emphasize that enough. And I will say that every podcast if I remember it. Learn yes. some goddamn skills. Yeah. Like old school shit. And then... When you've learned those skills, I don't care if it's one kid or one cousin or one friend, teach somebody yes. what you learned. We're all teachers. You're you're the one that's, that that uh, posted that message, that graduation yeah. speech. I laid in bed and watched that sucker twice. Like 
We're all spread eagle. Spread eagle. I had Cheetos on my belly and I was just rubbing them, just like, damn. Juicy's coming with the heat tonight. Baby, come over here and check this out. Come over here and check this out, baby. But but seriously, man, I think that it is hot in the studio. (laughs) Just Cheetos all over my chest. Oh, damn. (laughs) But uh, we we are we should all strive to be teachers. And and that is the that's that's the way that honestly our, our legacies will kind of live. That's how we'll make an impact is if we teach someone some shit, man. We've got to make everyone else better. That being said, how do we do that in the black community? First stand stand up for those persons in the black community that are ostracized for trying to excel. You know, mm. when I was growing up, mm. Mm. I was often the only black kid in the advanced classes. You know, I was often the only black kid that might be in a technology students association or be in, in a, a traditionally, I don't know if it's just traditionally a, a white group or, or whatever, but I tried and make it a point to push myself and everything. And that often kind of made me the spokesperson for the other black kids. Okay, so one, I didn't ask for that, but having he really was right. But now that I think about it, I was like, but having that, I tried to make it a point to at least communicate in such a way that everybody could kind of understand the black kid's perspective on some of this stuff. But that came. But he he got he got viewed as is threatening sometimes. Sometimes teachers in high school were intimidated by him and not in. Not like Bryce is going to beat me up, but yeah. intellectually yeah. fucking intimidated by him asking things. questions. Yeah. yeah, I would see right. it. And yeah. they would they would give me a hard time, but I mean, then I'd get a hard time from, you know, my black friends. Man, why you act white? Blah, blah, blah. What is acting white, man? Why, why is speaking well and making good grades viewed as negative? And, you know, it's more, it's more a good look to have on the Jordans and, uh, you know, lay in the back of the class and, you know, not have my work done yeah. and I'm cool. Well, and, and that's that's the, this weird, like, duality whereby, like, there is the notion of not uh, ascribing to the white man's methods and system of, of operating. And that's that's on the surface level, I feel like, to a degree. It's like, I'm not going to act white. Mm. I'm rebelling against that. Like, you can't tell me what to do. But by default, you're playing into the hands of those very people that you would seek to liberate yourself from. Yeah, yeah right. 100%. And, and, to, and to say, well, you know, acting, acting white, you know what I'm saying, talking white, blah, 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 to get ahead, it's not getting ahead. If proper English is a detriment, <laughs> then why does everyone at the top of a corporation making money speak well, write well, yeah. well read and, well? And, 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 <laughs> some, and something else that I think that we need to, to get through to people is that colloquial language is totally fucking acceptable. Yes. It, it isn't to say that one is superior to the other. The ability to code switch and mm. operate between them just show a, a level of social intelligence. Yeah. I've been told it's a good thing that I don't have an accent. 
you know? Oh, yeah. It's a good thing. It's like, why? Oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, it just don't. And, and now that I think of it, it's like some people might think of themselves as lower by having a country accent or something like right. that. Right. But yeah. I can have a country accent. Yeah. Hell, I yeah. Can, if I, can I do want it too, to. If I want to. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely do it. You God know? damn. But <laughs> there it is right there. Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. So the final question for you. What is, and this is something that we asked Dr. Dye, uh, what does Black History Month mean to you? Black History Month to me means, well, it's, it's just a reminder that we as black Americans have a history that isn't readily available. Okay, let me, let me walk that back. We have a history that isn't nearly as accessible to the masses as the white Eurocentric history that we're taught in school and that we're shown on television every day. And it's a great opportunity to look at resources that aren't always put out there to understand and make that connection to your foundations and your strengths in your roots as black Americans. This is as much, if not more, your country as black Americans than any other culture that's here. And it's important for you to understand that and embrace that and instill that pride in your children for us all to continue adding to this collective and hopefully progressing towards much more of this state of the union that the constitution is supposed to guarantee for all the sons and daughters, but hasn't delivered on since the start of the country. So black history month to me is just a celebration of how powerful we as a people are. And also the potential that we as a people have. Even if we decide to revolt and take over. <laughs> that's good. No, that's good. That was really good. Do we have any uh, shout outs or anything like that, Frank? Oh, well, I'm going to give a shameless shout out to. Do uh, what? The, the friend we were talking about. Fuck, I don't remember, man. When I, you like, I got me. really drunk last night. Oh, well, God. think about it for a minute. I would like to give a shameless shout out to my wife. Erica Wood, shout out to Sky CTC. Congratulations on your master's degree, babe. So proud of you. Shout out to Erica. You are a rock star. Yes. Uh, Shout out to Tavion Wood, Big Tay Tay, my son. What's up, Tay? Shout out to- Let me borrow a dollar. (laughs) Olivia Wood, Big Tay recently just got fifth in the uh, governor's- uh, like the Governor's Cup uh, academic team nice, competition to nice. yeah. him to go hey, to state. Hey. And he also was invited to the uh, WKU Honor Band, rocking the tuba for the second oh, year in a row. What's up, man. So, attaboy Tavion, Miss Olivia Wood, my date to the daddy-daughter dance She's last so beautiful, night. She's so beautiful, man. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Olivia, uh, Highland Elementary, qualified for the uh, national beta competition in Oklahoma City so we're getting ready to go there and party in June oh, nice. she also qualified for the state academic team competition for a language arts win Hell so yeah. shout out to my family y'all are awesome and I love that's you that's good that's good do you remember now Chris 
No, I don't. Oh, man. You called me about that, your friend that you were working out with. It's coming. It's coming. Shout out to Ago. You big, strong. Uh, that's a big, you in a minute, holy Ago. God. He is a big old dude. <laughs> Shout out to Ago. Ago was telling us about broccoli pancakes one night, and Kenneth gave him seven kinds of hell. He never, <laughs> ne- Kenneth never stops talking about broccoli goddamn pancakes. <laughs> I'd like to give. Uh, we finally got the test date for my uh, for my wife's NCLEX exam, and so she's that's going to be on February twenty eighth. And so, huge shout out to her for she's on the road now. You know, it's just, this is nut cut road time. again. On Elizabeth, road. good luck on that. Yeah, I know you're gonna knock it out of yes. the park. It's daunting. But yes, yes. Grind, you're gonna kill it. Yes, it's nut cutting time. So she's she's hard at it now, studying. So. Proud of her, ready for it, uh, ready for it to pass, man. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be really good. She's worked her ass off for this. Um, uh, I don't have any. I mean, always shout out to Ryan Hines, Josh Biggs, all the squad. Uh, shout out to Bartley Weaver. It's always he is good, dude. I don't know when's the last time you saw Bartley. I, I've been I've been watching it, his progression. And yeah, shit. he's yeah. ripped like the like the Jesus statues, man. He's just oh, like, he's shitting on the Jesus statues. Yeah, dude, not he's literally. Like, yeah, not but he's like. like Ripped. Like he's show, he's showing respect to the yeah Jesus to statue. the Jesus statues by being so if, if it's if it's a white Jesus statue oh. I'll allow it <laughs> black Jesus no he ain't got nothing on black Jesus Jesus is from the Middle East guys there ain't a lot of white people there oh god um do Anyways, we have any uh, we have shout any? out to Barron River Beverages in Glasgow Kentucky oh, uh, y'all yeah. can come and see me at Barron River Beverages Friday nights Saturday nights until eleven. Um, I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna sell you guys something. Stop by and see me. Come in. I'm uh, y'all see me in my overcome shirt representing the Salubrious yes. because I believe in what these guys are doing here. That's awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to our episode. Uh, we're uh, very excited. I like this one too, man. We just keep bringing it and bringing it and bringing it. So yeah. I'm ready for for next week. And the do we have one more Sunday in this month? We can make it happen. Yeah, we're, we're just going to do No, it. Black History Month is the short month. Y'all no, we're, doing, we're doing another one. We're doing another one. We're commandeering a couple extra days <laughs> yeah. this year. Fuck you, March. <laughs> yeah, March, we're we taking take some. <laughs> but uh, uh, seriously, guys. What you going to do better, March? <laughs> seriously. I keep saying seriously, but damn it, seriously. Give Thank you all for March. listening and your time. And this one is only... It, it just doesn't feel like it's an hour and 43 minutes, man. It's just... It just was us talking and flowing. And that's what I really like about what we do. There's no script. There's no formula. We just, well, the formula is just be ourselves and have a conversation. Let's just unpack enormous it. Enormous tools. Yeah, enormous tools. <laughs> big big <laughs> old like, like, tools. Well, yeah, yeah. That, man, douchebags, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Huge douchebags. But. All right, guys. Enjoy the week. Uh, hit us up if you need anything. That's at the Salumist on Instagram. Not if you, you need go. anything. Like, don't be like hitting us up with dumb shit. Oh, my God. Hit us up on Facebook. Hey, I just finished another blog entry today. Uh, that one is up on the website. It's called uh, On Second Thoughts. And so it's just about the concept of what we were saying earlier today, that you're not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your next. And so I talk about my views on that and uh, hope you guys take some time and read that one. So it's time to go. Everyone have a good day. And we are out. Peace.